Welcome to the Speaking for Him podcast. I am your host, Andrew Gamison. Very grateful to be with you today. Um, and we will be reviewing a, episode 5 of The Chosen, um, the mini-series about Jesus, or the series about Jesus, uh, produced and directed by one Mr. Dallas Jenkins. And I believe he did some of the writing as well. Um, and I've been enjoying sharing that with you. But before we get into that part of the podcast, I wanted to give you some thoughts um, as we are continuing on in this lockdown slash quarantine situation here in the great state of Michigan. And I know that it is pre- prevalent across our country. So I know that uh, the challenges that I face are, are not unique to the rest of you, no matter where you are listening in our fine country. However, today marks 63 days since um, the lockdown began here in Michigan and since I walked out of Potter's House Christian School on March 13th. I did get out a couple of days ago to go to the bank, which was awesome, but it has been a very interesting and sometimes trying experience for sure to literally have nowhere else to go than right here at home. I did want to ask a question of you. For those of you who believe that Gretchen Whitmer, our governor, is doing the right thing um, exactly, I would like to ask you this question. At what point would you consider her in a position of overreach of authority. And the reason I ask you this is because initially she received a period of emergency time where she was allowed to shut down um, our shut down our um, state, basically the businesses in our state and the schools to slow the virus COVID-19. And I understood why, Um, but then she petitioned the legislature for more time, and they gave her until April 30th um, to keep things shut down and to hopefully slow the curve or or, um, flatten the curve of this virus. April 30th came and went. Well, actually, on April 23rd, she said, uh, minus legislative approval, that she would be extending the lockdown until May 28th. Now, the question is this. Um, Well, my main concern is this, that uh, having a lockdown, um, I think, has been important to slow the spread of the virus, but I think we're seeing um, slowing taking place. We have hospital beds available in many hospitals throughout the state. And um, so, at least initially, it was never about ending the virus. Um, Never about eradicating the virus. Uh, It was about slowing the spread. So I feel like um, that has been done to a large degree. But the greater question that I have is... If you really stop and think about it, are you comfortable with a governor who believes that she can unilaterally make decisions apart from the 
decisions of the legislature. Uh, we have a three-branch uh, form of government. Uh, we have all three branches on the state level and the federal level. Um, and we have a legislative, a judicial, and an executive branch. Um, by the Michigan Constitution, it is incumbent upon her to seek the legislature's approval for anything beyond the 30th, which they gave her. Um, and now we're two weeks into May, and she has, as of now, extended things to the 28th. Now, you may or may not completely agree with this decision on her part. Um, that is kind of irrelevant to the question that I'm asking, though. Because if it was a governor that made a decision that you didn't like, uh, would you still support their authority to make the decision? Or would you then say, there is a constitutional process and uh, they should go through it? I think that's an important thing for us to ask. Because allowing a governor to make unilateral decisions, I think, sets a very dangerous precedent. Um, I realize that there are people on both sides of the issue as far as the extremity of the virus. Some people are probably too extreme on the light end, saying that it's not a big deal, that um, that it's all hype, and we shouldn't worry about it at all. And then there are other people saying that we shouldn't leave the house until we get a cure, um, which is essentially what the mayor of L.A. said this week. But a cure is, is at fastest, um, a, a year to a year and a half away, Possibly six to eight months if it gets fast-tracked, I guess. But most of what I'm hearing is a year to a year and a half away from a vaccine. And then you have the situation of there being uh, vaccines um, or being complications through a vaccine. So I think it's, it's very... Um, it's not realistic to believe that we can stall our economy until we have a vaccine to deal with this virus. So we need to find a way, I believe, to open our businesses uh, in a way that's responsible, but also feeds into our economy. Whether it's having restaurants open at 25% capacity, whether it's um, wearing protective equipment and practicing social distancing in all public locations, um, I think all of those things are good. I think it's it's foolish to to walk around as if there is no virus, but we also need to find a way forward. So I guess that's the biggest question that I have for you is, if you don't believe that there is overreach already happening, what is that line for you? What does government overreach look like to you? And I don't ask that in a snarky way. I simply ask it as an honest question. So I hope that you will take that in that spirit. And um, if you have a chance to comment uh, below uh, where you find this blog post, uh, well, where you find the podcast, whether on the blog or on Facebook, I would really appreciate your answers to the question. Um, because, I, you know, there has to be something for you that you would say this line is going too far. And I think... It's important to realize that we do have the checks and balances of, like I said, the 
executive, legislative, and judicial branches of our government. And if we didn't have all three of those people, or all three of those branches from which uh, to make requests or to file grievances, we would not have the, the free and balanced country that we have experienced through the years. So, okay, I want to jump in here really quick with some prevalent facts regarding um, the lockdown and the things I've been talking about because I always want to make sure that as I am talking about these issues that I'm doing so from a place of facts and not just conjecture. So, um, to refresh, um, as I said, I left the Potter's House Christian School on March 13th. That was the day that uh, Gretchen Whitmer said that she wanted to suspend um, education at the schools for a period of three weeks um, uh, to, to flatten the curve of the coronavirus. Um, it wasn't until um, March 23rd um, that she issued a, um, a, a stay-at-home order um, also to initially last three weeks. And on April 2nd, she confirmed that we would not be returning to school for the school year. Um, and then, so basically what that amounts to is that she has made not one but two unilateral decisions regarding the lockdown because she initially um, extended it to May 15th without legislative approval and then once again, she extended it to May 28th without legislative approval. Um, now, there is a lawsuit pending um, in the Michigan courts um, because of her overreach. And um, it's kind of encouraging to me that in Wisconsin, um, we saw uh, Wisconsin uh, throw down their stay-at-home order. Um, because of their governor's overreach. And so my hope is that something similar would happen here in Michigan. Now again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be safe. Um, we definitely need to be, but we also need to be getting back to work and living with the reality of the way things are and realizing that you can't just uh, suspend life as we know it forever um, and expect there not to be far-reaching consequences. That's about all I will say about that. All right, well, we do have a wonderful episode of The Chosen to review for you today. And this episode is episode five out of eight in season one. And this episode focuses on the wedding in Cana. And it kind of continues right where episode four ended because episode four kind of ends with with Jesus reaching out to Peter and saying you are going to be a fisher of men I'm going to change your life Peter remember Peter um, said to Jesus in the scriptures depart from me I'm a sinful man and Peter said and Jesus said fear not today you will catch I will teach you essentially to catch men instead of fish and so Episode 5 um, basically begins with Peter going to his wife, Eden. Um, that's her name in the series. And kind of being scared to tell her that he 
is planning to follow, to leave fishing and follow Jesus because now he can't provide for her. But ironically, he was on the sea trying to provide for her all night long under his own strength and not being successful at it. So um, he comes to her and he tells her that he um, wants to, to follow Jesus and give up fishing and he thinks she's going to be upset. But she's actually very um, uh, excited because she sees a peace and an excitement in Peter that she hasn't seen uh, for a long time. Peter's actually, one of the things that's been highlighted in this series is that he has been fighting against God, kind of, and really railing against God for not providing for him in the way that he thinks he should be provided for, and don't we all feel that? I, before I go much further, I just want to share with you a quote of the day, which I think it kind of provides a centerpiece for this episode. Um, and this is, Je- this is talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And it says, His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And I think this is a very good verse for us to remember about Jesus' authority in our own lives. When God tells us to do something, we should do it. It doesn't always make sense. As a matter of fact, it often does not make sense. But doing the Lord's will is always a good thing, and He will ultimately reward you for it. To to back up a little bit, um, one of the interesting things about this episode is that it begins with the 12-year-old Jesus being left behind in Jerusalem, and his parents, Mary and Joseph, of course, Joseph being his stepfather, come back to seek him in Jerusalem. And Joseph finds him in the temple, um, according to this. And and then uh, he uh, meets up with Mary. And Mary said, you were supposed to be with your father. And he says, I was. Of course, we know in the scriptures, he says, do you not know that I needed to be about my father's business? So you see Mary grappling with the idea that Jesus is growing beyond just being her son. And this would be probably the first of many times uh, throughout Mary's life where she would be reminded afresh that she wasn't tasked with simply raising a regular um, little boy. She had sons and daughters after Jesus was born, uh, but... Jesus himself was not just a regular little boy. He was and is the divine uh, son of God. And so Mary had to struggle with that. And I I think that that is a very uh, important thing as we go on to the main portion of the episode. Because what happens is the disciples are starting to assemble. So we see a group of them gather together uh, to meet up with Jesus to go to this wedding. Among them, the two Jameses, uh, I think um, Thaddeus is there, and um, I, I don't remember all the names that were um, that were present in the scene. Um, I tend to believe that Jesus selected all 12 disciples before this wedding in Cana. I think perhaps even the scriptures bear that out. I know it says Jesus and his disciples. Um, I will have to fact check that um okay 
as I said, I wanted to fact check myself on what the scriptures actually said about the disciples at the wedding. And here is what we read in John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. So it talks about his disciples uh, in general, not specifically. So it is possible that not all of the disciples were chosen at that point. But uh, so, but anyway, so they're going to this wedding, and uh, we see Mary go ahead. Um, Mary's there ahead of the guests. She's a friend of the of the mother of the bride, I believe, and uh, so she's planning this wedding. They're putting uh, the finishing touches on things, and uh, so it's very, uh, very realistic to the way that someone may have planned a wedding and got ready for the wedding and trying to get all the details um, ready to go and, and everything just perfect for this wedding in Cana. And then Jesus and his disciples come there and Thomas comes there with a friend of his. The way this series portrays Thomas, he is um, one of the wine sellers who brings the wine and it seems to imply even some of the food to the wedding. And very quickly during the wedding, it becomes clear that the wine is going to run out. And when it finally does run out, um, the, the lady that was with Thomas goes to Mary and says, we don't have any, any wine. And so Mary goes to Jesus and says, uh, they don't have any wine. And Jesus says, um, my time has not yet come. Now, this is this is my first uh, dispute, if you will, uh, that I've had with this series. The way that I characterize this series is that it's intelligent conjecture. A lot of it is intelligent conjecture. Because there's a lot of reading between the lines, and it, it, which is not necessarily bad, as I said in the first episode pertaining to this miniseries. Uh, reading between the lines helps us to gain an appreciation for the times and the culture and maybe some of the what-ifs that are not listed in Scripture. And as long as they don't go contrary, then I don't have a problem with it. And I, I still overall um, really enjoy The Chosen. So I'm, I'm not saying that this is an egregious, necessarily egregious theological error. But it did bother me a little bit when... Um, Mary kind of gets into a pleading attitude with Jesus. Jesus says, my time has not yet come. And she says, if not now, when? Almost as if she was telling him uh, that now was the time. And I don't think that's an accurate portrayal. The other thing that I take issue with in this story is the part about the fact that when Jesus goes and turns the water into wine, he brings, he sends the people, the wine stewards, out of the room after they collect the water that he requested them to do, and then makes the water into wine, 
and you see him run his fingers through it to show that it's wine. And then he sends them into the room, and they um, get excited when they look into the barrels and find the wine, and then they go and deliver it to the steward. Now, I don't know for sure if this is ironclad truth, but the way I always read the the story was that the stewards knew that it was water and that it didn't necessarily turn into wine until the the host of the banquet drank it. Like, I don't... I had always thought that they had no knowledge of it being wine until they served it to the steward and it was wine. They just trusted Jesus because Mary said, whatever he says to you, do it. And I also want to go back to that a little bit because... I think it's a very good command for all of us to follow. Um, Whatever he says, do it. You know, sometimes the things that God tells us to do are not going to make sense. They're not going to be easy. But he will guide and direct us. However, we need to be guided and directed at a particular time. And so, I just want to make it very clear that that is... um, that is something that I think is very important. And uh, now I'm going to uh, play a clip from this episode. And this clip is what I talked about earlier with the conversation um, between uh, Peter and Eden um, as Peter has gone through this shift in his thinking and he's excited about the Messiah. So enjoy this short clip from The Chosen, Episode 5, and I'll be back uh, to wrap things up. Eden. We need to talk. So I hear. What have you heard? Nothing that makes sense. night you told me the truth let's continue with that so I worked for hours last night and I couldn't even catch one fish the entire night and Andrew and the boys showed up thank you for that by the way None of us could catch one fish the entire night. It was horrible. And this morning we finally gave up and we went to shore. But there was this teacher on shore. And Andrew knew who he was. But I'll talk about that later. He told me to cast one more time. Which made no sense. But I did it anyway because of the way he he looked at me. And then so many fish showed up. They were pouring into the boat. So many kept coming that that Zebedee ended up filling both of our boats. Enough to pay off the whole debt. uh, What? I know. Why don't you seem happy? Well, this is hard to explain. More than what you just told me. No, it's like the story of Elijah and Elisha. Yes. Elisha was plying with 12 yoke of oxen 
when Elijah the prophet just walked up and threw his cloak over him. A calling to follow him. And without delay, Elisha slaughtered the oxen, burned the plow, and left everything behind. Yes. The, the teacher. Andrew told me, but I didn't believe him at first. He's the Messiah. I know it sounds impossible, but I I saw it with my own eyes. He made boatfuls of fish appear out of nowhere. And the words he spoke, the one John told Andrew was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It was him. And then and then he called me to follow him. And Andrew, James, and John to go where he goes and, and to learn from him. And he said that I wouldn't be a fisherman anymore, but that I would catch people instead. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But I'm sure what I saw. He's the one we've been waiting for all our lives. And... I want to quit fishing and leave the sea behind to go. I know, I know, I know it makes no sense and I knew it would make you upset. All I can tell you is that this is... between Peter and Eden when Peter tells her he is going to leave fishing to follow Jesus. And um, it was really an exciting and a moving scene. And my friend Cherie Williams, she said that it was her favorite um, scene in all of The Chosen and she really greatly appreciates this series. So I wanted to uh, include that in the in the, the episode because I I feel that it's moving as well and uh, so I hope that you appreciated that. All right. So to conclude, I think this this is a powerful uh, episode, and then at the end of the episode. Um, after the miracle of the wine and and uh, Thomas is questioning things and talking to Jesus and Jesus asks if Thomas will follow him. So Thomas, um, the way they depict it in the movie, is recruited 
as a disciple in at the wedding in Cana. And I think that is a very interesting perspective. We don't know exactly when each disciple was chosen um, because we just uh, we hear about the calling of Peter and Andrew and James and John and Philip and Nathaniel. But some of the others, we just hear that we just see a list and we don't know exactly what the, the origin story was. So I think a little creativity along those lines is not necessarily um, the worst thing ever. And I think it's just really interesting how this this series, and I know this is one of Dallas Jenkins' uh, intentions too, it, it not only explores the divinity of Christ, but also unlike very many other things, it gets a chance to explore the humanity of Christ. And what I mean by that is you... You see him celebrating with um, with the wedding guests. You see him dancing. Um, you see him doing things that a normal guy who's invited to a wedding would do. And um, the conversation uh, around the table with the disciples um, is kind of interesting too, because they mention the fact that traditionally rabbis would or that um, students would pick a rabbi and and follow that rabbi and in this case Jesus is doing very deliberate choosing of his 12 disciples and it's also made clear uh, through this episode that he chose every man in other words he chose normal everyday human beings to be his followers and so um, it's very interesting to see that dynamic come forth on the screen and I think that you will really enjoy this episode and like I said as with all of these episodes you take them with a grain of salt weigh them against the Bible because the Bible is what matters and I truly do believe that Dallas is trying to be honoring of the Bible but also to explore carefully some of those things that may not be written in the scriptures and to give us historical context for some of the things that we see in this um, series. And so I donated to his goal um, because right now he has the series streaming for free on the Chosen app, but he encourages people to give money and that money will go toward um, season two and he has season two I believe either almost halfway funded or um, just over halfway funded and so if you watch The Chosen and you like The Chosen uh, make sure that you give a donation so that he can continue to make this series and I think it's going to ultimately be a very good thing <clears throat> All right, there were just a couple more things that I want to mention before I sign off today. Um, number one is that I am three weeks away, uh, it does appear, well, I know it's true, from episode 400. The episode you're listening to right now is 397, so we're three weeks away from episode 400, and I just wanted to put this out there that my goal for episode 400 is to do a 
Zoom video conference so that anyone who has been involved in the podcast can participate in that show. And even if you haven't been involved in the podcast, but you have been a fan of the podcast and you want to participate in that live Zoom recording of episode 400, then I will make sure that I have that information on my Facebook page, if you search for Andrew Gomison on Facebook, and also on my Speaking for Him Facebook page when I set up the time to record. In the time that I've been home, I kind of prefer to record between 2 and 4 in the afternoon. So, um, but given the momentousness of the occasion, I might um, do it in the evening on on that week. Um, I will have to give that some thought. I will probably have a more definitive answer next week. So episode 400 was the one thing I wanted to mention. The other thing I wanted to mention is I know for the better part of three years, I have been talking about doing a complete and unabridged dramatic retelling multi-voice um, with, of the Pilgrim's Progress. Reading the unabridged book, but with multiple voice actors. And because of the success that I've had using Zoom uh, as a technology, I am going to begin to do that process um, on Zoom. I have started a uh, Facebook group, Pilgrim's Progress, for the purpose of disseminating information about this project. And the goal is to record... Uh, throughout the month of July, five podcast episodes, which will encompass the entire book. So if you're interested in that, contact me with the contact information at the end of the show. Let me know you'd like to be involved in that project. And uh, we got a lot of roles to fill. And so we would love to have you be a part of that project. All right. Well, I think that's about all I have time for today. I just want to encourage you to lean heavily on the Lord during this time. I know there's a lot of uncertainty, um, and we definitely need to pray for our authorities. Have a great weekend, and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 